Welcome back to the Chicago XA podcast. Today's episode will be our very last message from Thermostat of this academic year, and we'll be hearing it from our very own Reverend Erica Eats. My name is Erica. For those of you who I haven't met, I serve on staff with Loyola Chi Alpha, so I'm very happy to be here. I love being with my citywide fam. Um, I want to start off tonight by telling you about someone who's very special to me. His name is George. I believe we have some pictures of George. This is George. George is my roommate's cat. As you can see, evidenced in this photo, we're best buds. I love George. George loves me. We watch a lot of TV together. However, it was not always this way. When I first moved in with Katie, George was terrified of me, and I was terrified of him. I, I always had cats growing up, but like, low-key, I think they were mostly always feral cats that like we just took in, and so they were always really mean. And so I was scared of cats. So I would walk into a room, and he didn't want to be there with me, and so he would run out. And as he was running out, I'd like jump to the side because I was scared of him. And it got to the point where I would start trying to reach down to pet him, but then he would like turn and look at me and I'd jump, you know? It was this whole thing. As time went on and we started living together, we could be in the same room as one another. And it was nice. Then we could sit on the couch together. If he was on the other side and I was on one side, neither one of us would leave, it was great. And then eventually it got to a point one day, I was sitting on the couch watching TV and George jumped up on my lap and went to sleep. And I thought, we did it. <laughs> we did this together. We are friends now. And However, we're friends now, but whenever I leave town for a little bit, whenever I come back, George and I aren't so warm to one another again, right? It takes a few days. We got to rebuild our relationship a little bit. And I know that's like a silly story about a cat, right? But I think that same thing can apply to our friendships if we're not careful with them. We've spent... This whole year, this whole semester, however long you've been involved in Chi Alpha, building friendships with the people in your small group, the people on your campus, the people in the larger citywide community. And we, we've taken that time, we've built those relationships, and now we're getting ready to come to summer break. And y'all, summer break is four months long. Four months. That is a third of the year. A third of the year. Can you imagine what would happen if we lost contact and then we just come back in the fall. I imagine there would be some warming up that needed to happen, right? Maybe nothing major, but maybe our friendships wouldn't be quite the same as when we left. I think the exact opposite is possible, though. I think that if we're intentional over the summer with our friendships, that we can continue to grow deeper in those friendships, come back in the fall, even better friends and even better community, and then could you imagine what a light that would be to our campus? What a light, how that would show Jesus. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about a few qualities that I think could make us better friends. And the, the phrase that I want you all to remember tonight is this, be a friend. Super simple, right? Real simple. Be a friend. But those words are very intentional. I think a lot of times when we talk about this topic of friendship, it's very focused on other as, um, you know, like wishing we had more friends or oh, I want to be better friends with this person, or I wish this person was a better friend. Tonight, I want us to put the focus on ourselves. I want us to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, how can we be a better friend? How can I focus on myself, and how can I grow in this? Because I think friendships, they're best built when each person in the friendship is focused on being a friend instead of getting a friend. So, 
we're going to talk about today, um, we're going to read the end of Colossians. I love, 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 love these passages of scripture. Um, Paul wrote a bunch of uh, letters to different churches in the New Testament. This is one of them. And at the end of each of these letters, essentially what he did is he just greeted his friends. He literally said, hey, say hi to this person. Say hi to this person. Tell this person I said this. This person's coming to visit. Do this when they get there. Um, and these passages of scripture can very easily, I think, be looked over or just kind of skimmed through. But they're so cool because it's literally a snapshot of Paul talking to his friends, of, of us seeing what their relationship was like as the body of Christ. It's like, imagine if you wrote a letter to your friend, and that, that's what we get to see here in the Bible. And so they're chocked full of principles that I think we can apply to ourselves. So we're going to read um, chapter 4, starting in verse 7. It says, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. We're going to skip a few verses down to verse 12. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see to it that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much, God, for who you are. Lord, I thank you for your word, Jesus, that transforms us, that instructs us, that guides us. Lord, and I pray that it would do that tonight, Jesus. I pray that you would convict each one of us tonight on how we could be a better friend. God, that you would take each one of us to a new level of friendship, Jesus. A friendship with you, God. We want to be near to you. We want to hear from you. God, we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the first quality I want to talk about is trust. Friends, trust. Paul trusted Tychicus to deliver this letter, to deliver this news, and he trusted his character to be a representative of him to go and minister to these people, right? He trusted his friend. And I think trust is one quality that can really deepen our friendships. We um, uh, trust, it's earned, right? We earn trust, but I think a lot of times we don't even let people earn our trust. Like we don't even give them that opportunity. And there's a lot of things in our society, people walking around with just this inherent distrust of people, and it keeps us from building those close relationships. A lack of trust, it can lead to, I think, a multitude of problems. I want to talk about a couple. The first is that it leads to a skewed perspective of people. If you're living with... Um, you know, a distrust of someone, or you've decided you'll only trust them this much, you're gonna view them through that lens then, and then all of their actions come through that lens of this distrust, and you're gonna start seeing them like worse and worse, <laughs> right? You're gonna only notice the bad things in them. 
It'll lead to you suspecting them of bad things and being suspicious of them. We have um, a saying nationally in Chi Alpha amongst the staff that we choose trust over suspicion with one another, with our friends. If someone you know, maybe doesn't text you back right away or you think they give you a funny look or whatever it might be, choosing to trust that person over suspecting them. Another issue that lack of trust can lead to is a lack of vulnerability. If we don't trust each other, how can we open up to one another? And if we don't open up to one another, then our relationships really can't go beyond the surface. They're kind of stuck where they are, right? I think trust and vulnerability kind of reminds me of this circle where you have to have like some measure of trust to be vulnerable, but then when you're vulnerable, it leads to trust, and then trust leads to vulnerability, and vulnerability leads to trust, and it just kind of goes like this, right? All people, all people at some point in time have had their trust betrayed and hurt, right? They've been vulnerable, and it backfired in them in some way. And so it takes courage to trust. It's risky, right? There's risk involved with being vulnerable and choosing to open up to someone. But I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It convicts me every time I read it. It says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure to keep it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. So love is to be vulnerable. As I said, it convicts me every time. It's hard. But I think the truth in this, I mean, there's a lot of truth in this, but one of the big things is that ultimately a lack of vulnerability is selfish. I think about... Um, in the Gospels, when it says that no one lights a lamp and then puts a bowl over it, but you light a lamp and you put it out. I think we put a bowl over our light when we choose not to be vulnerable, when we choose not to trust people. You know, as Christ followers, we have the light of Christ in us, and God wants to use that to bless our relationships, to grow our relationships, to show um, how the body of Christ interacts with the world. And so we have this light in us, and when we choose not to open up, it's like we put a bowl over it and we say, nope. No one gets this light. And I don't think that Jesus can use us to the extent that he wants to if we're not willing to open up. I remember, so I was in Chi Alpha when I was in college, and my senior year at fall retreat, the speaker was talking about community, and he talked about vulnerability. And at the end, he told us to go get with our small groups. He said, go get with your small group, circle up, and... Um, he essentially, I think the only instruction he gave was like, be vulnerable. Like he kind of was just like, get in a circle and share your deepest, darkest secrets <laughs> with one another. That's not what happened. But my small group at the time, I'm not making this up, it had like 20 people in it. And so we didn't all share, but like a few people shared in that setting. And guys, it changed the tide of our small group. People started opening up more in small group. People started praying for each other more. People were more invested in one another. People trusted one another more. It bred trust. People had more grace and mercy and patience with one another. Being vulnerable, it, it, like I said, it's that circle. Vulnerability begets trust, begets vulnerability. It goes like this, but someone has to start that. Someone has to be willing to be vulnerable first. Someone has to be willing to say, I'm going to put my trust in you first, and I'm going to open up to you. Let that be you. Be a friend. 
Be the one who can trust. The next thing, friends fight. And I'm not talking arguing, fist fighting, no. I'm saying friends fight for their friends to grow closer to Jesus. Friends fight for their friends to live out their God-given purpose in life. It says that he struggled in prayer for them so that they could be mature and stand firm. We should pray for one another and not just when each other's in crisis. Yes, pray for your friend when they like are going through something hard. Pray for them when they send you a text message saying, hey, can you pray for this? But just pray for them in general. I feel convicted saying that, you know, like how often do we pray for our friends just to continue growing in Christ, just to be mature and stand firm? I, uh, fighting for our friends, it also means holding our friends accountable. And that doesn't have to be some like weird sit down, point out what everyone's doing wrong. No, no, no. But I think a beautiful thing about Christian friendships is they can come with this kind of natural built-in accountability and um, a, a natural like calling each other higher, right? I think about on staff, uh, we went through this phase where we would just randomly, like if we were hanging out and there was a lull in the conversation or no one was saying anything, someone would chime in and be like, so what's everyone reading in their Bible? And we'd all go around and share what book of the Bible we were reading and how God was using it to speak to us. And that's not a weird confrontational whatever thing to do, right? But it did create that sense of accountability. It created the accountability of, are we growing in our personal relationships with Christ? And hearing everyone else share, you know, encourages you to do the same, right? If you hear someone share something and you're like, man, maybe I should do that with my walk with Christ, whatever it is, right? It encourages us. It calls us higher. Talk to your friends about your relationship with Christ. Tell them what he's doing in your life. Tell them how he's convicting you and transforming you. Ask how your friends are. Ask um, what God is doing in their hearts. How can you be praying for them? How can you come alongside what God wants to do in their lives, right? Another, another story about natural accountability that didn't turn out so well. Um, I shouldn't say it didn't turn out so well. But um, so this was, gosh, I think this was like my first year on staff. It was probably four years ago. Um, we have staff meeting Monday mornings. And so one Monday morning, we were all there. And we, we were just making small talk, you know, beforehand. And, and then Todd said, um, so how was church for everyone yesterday? And, you know, Justin's laughing because he knows where this is going. Um, and well, you see, that made me feel really uncomfortable because I had decided to skip church Sunday morning. <laughs> and so I was sitting there and I was like, well, I'll just let everyone else answer. And then I'll just kind of skirt by and not say anything, right? No one will ever know. But uh, it turns out we had all decided to skip church on Sunday. <laughs> And uh, none of us had gone. And uh, it was like individually, one by one, as each person kept saying it, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, and keep this in mind, none of us went to the same church. Like, we didn't make some collective decision to skip church. Like, we each individually had just skipped church that Sunday. And Todd was like, wait, so none of you went to church? Like, is that, is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> we were like... Well, that's that natural accountability, right? He was just making small talk. Tell me how God spoke to you at church. Well, it's hard to answer that when you didn't go to church. <laughs> so, but it was great. It convicted us. And guess who was in church the next week, right? I was. I'm sure Justin was. I'm sure the rest of us were, right? 
It's that natural accountability. It's a good thing to fight for your friends. It's a good thing to hold them accountable in this way, right? Be a friend. Be a friend. The last quality I want to talk about is that friends encourage. Look, I don't know what Archippus was going through, right, in his ministry, but, like, I feel like we've all been there, right, where we need someone to say, keep going. You can do it. You've got this, right? God's with you. I'm with you. Walking through life with Christ isn't easy, right? When we're living out our calling and our purpose, challenges come, and that's just how it is. And the encouragement of the body of Christ is so crucial, right? We all need it. So therefore, your friends need it. Be an encourager. Encouragement doesn't always have to come with um, words either. You know, you can pray encouragement for people. I also think presence is just encouragement, right? When you're able to, being around them. Uh, I know most people in this room know, but my dad passed away a few months ago, and there's, there's no words, right? No words that anyone could say that would make me feel better, but my friend's presence made me feel better. My friend's presence, that was an encouragement to me. Another thing I want to point out about this is that Paul wrote this letter when he was in prison, and I think that speaks volumes that we're still meant to be a friend even when we're going through hard times. We're still meant to encourage people even when we're struggling. And that's not to say we ignore our own needs, right? But it should be both and. We should be able to share our needs and our struggles with our friends, get encouragement from them, as well as encourage them in their hard times. A couple years back, we had this event, and when I left, I got a voicemail from Trish, and she said, hey, I just wanted to call because you seem kind of down, so... I was just calling to encourage you, but um, if you're doing okay, could you call me and encourage me because I'm not doing okay? <laughs> and so I called her back. She listened to me and heard what I was going through. She encouraged me. She prayed for me. And then I did the same with her. I listened to what she was going through. I, I encouraged her, and I prayed for her. Be a friend. Be the encourager. Actively look for ways you can encourage your friend right? Once again, I go back to just like, we don't only have to pray for our friends when they're in crisis. We don't only have to encourage them when they're in a hard time either, right? How, how many people have ever gotten just like a random card in the mail, like snail mail? Anyone? I love that. If you send me a random card in the mail, guys, you're my best friend. I'm serious. It like brightens my day so much. Who doesn't love opening the mailbox and seeing something that's not a bill, right? We all do. It's great. And so I, I say all these three things to say this summer, be intentional about being a friend. Be intentional about implementing these three. Th and these three things, it's not an exhaustive list, right? But I felt like these three things were really pertinent to our community and that if we want to continue to grow in relationships over summer, this is a way to do it. I want to end. Um, can someone, can someone start playing keys? Does anyone want to start playing keys? Cool. Um, I want to end by telling you about a friend of mine. So I studied abroad my sophomore year of college, and um, the, I studied abroad in France, and the program that I was in, there were 20-ish of us, and out of the 20, there were 17 different universities represented or something. Like, virtually none of us knew each other prior to going, and we were from all across the nation. And so um, one of the first nights we were there, we all went downtown to hang out, get to know one another. I was leaving that night, and I get on my bus to go back to my host, family house, host family's house, 
and we all had those prepaid cell phones, you know, um, that you, you get. And I got a text message. I didn't have the number. I didn't have anyone's number. We've been there like two days. <laughs> I got a text message, and all it said was, do you want to go get frites right now? And I was like, man, I'm on the bus home. I, whoever this is, I totally would have went and got frites, you know? Um, so I texted them back, and I was like, hey, on the bus on the way home. I can't right now. Maybe another time. Also, who is this, you know? Uh, I get to school the next day, and this girl in my program, Sheena, walks up to me, and she says, hey, that was me who texted you last night. It's a bummer that we couldn't go get Freed's. And I was like, oh, man, like, yeah, we'll have to reschedule. I would love to go out. And she said, yeah, you know, we were hanging out last night, and I thought you just seemed really cool, and, like, we could be friends. And I was like, you think I'm cool? I think you're cool. I want to be friends with you. And that blossomed into a beautiful, beautiful friendship. I believe we have pictures of Sheena. This is me and Sheena. So uh, the top and the side one, those are us in Boston. That's where Sheena went to school. And then the bottom one is us in front of the WHO. But it's so funny, I was looking at these pictures. And we studied abroad together eight years ago. And I feel like my wardrobe is already dated. And I was like looking at it and I was like, oh man, it like the times are already showing. Um, why do I talk about Sheena? Why do I bring that up? I bring it up because I think mine and Sheena's friendship was built probably in how most college friendships are built, which is on a lot of spontaneity and like convenience of being around each other, right? Sheena and I saw each other probably four or five days a week, right? We lived in the same place. We, um, you know, things like, do you want to go get frites right now? Do you, I have a break. Do you want to go get coffee? Do you want to study together? That, that was how our relationship built. And I imagine that's how a lot of your friendships here were built. You, I'm willing to bet a lot of you live within like a 10 minute walk of your close friends, right? And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing in college. It's a great opportunity you have to build these friendships. However, the semester ended, right? Sheena and I had to come home. We lived across the country from one another. As I just said, it's been eight years and Sheena is still a close friend of mine to this day. I was looking, when I was looking for these pictures for this, I found a, a group photo of everyone that we studied abroad with. And I'm gonna be real honest, I can maybe tell you like a third of their names and that's it. Sheena is the only one I stayed in contact with and she's like a close friend of mine. In the eight years since we've gotten back from study abroad, we have seen each other in person three times. Two of those times were just for a dinner. But how we've maintained our relationship because we've been intentional with it. We've had to be. We can't rely on the, the spontaneity and on the convenience of being close to one another. That worked for a season and it was great to build our friendship, but the reality is, is that if we would have just relied on that when we got back, we wouldn't still be friends today. I'm not friends with anyone else that I studied abroad with. No matter how many times I told them before we leave, right? We're gonna stay in touch, we're gonna come visit each other, yada yada, right? But it worked with Sheena. I was on the phone with her the other day and when we hung up, she said, um, okay, I'm putting it on my calendar to call you on this date. And that is a beautiful thing. I think there's this idea in our culture that if something's not spontaneous, it means it's inauthentic or it's fake. And it's just not true. My relationship with Sheena, my friendship with her, like, it's not forced, right? 
I love Sheena, she loves me, and we love our friendship so much that we are putting it on our calendar so that it does not die out because we know we have to. We don't see each other. She lives across the country, right? And so I put that on your radar because, as I said, you know, this year you've built these relationships and these friendships with your small group members, with the larger Chi Alpha community, and you're getting ready to go home, likely probably all scattered, right? And the chances are you can't rely on what you've done throughout the year to maintain those friendships. It's probably going to take more intentionality than that. And so I just want to encourage you all, be intentional, right? Be a friend. You be the one to reach out. Be the one to say, hey, can we FaceTime this week? Hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? Things like that, right? Don't keep track of, oh, I've reached out to her this many times. She's only reached out to me once. No, no, no. Be intentional, be a friend, right? I believe that if each one of us in the Chicago Chi Alpha community do that, our friendships will go to the next level this summer. Remember, it's a third of a year, third of a year. It is four months long. God can grow our relationships and our friendships with one another so much. And then we come back in the fall and continue to live life together and live life together on mission as a light for our campus. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so um, to end, I, I want us each to just reflect on our own. I want you to reflect on how you can be a friend, what that means for you. If there was one of these things that particularly convicted you or that you feel like you need to grow in, pray that through with God, right? Ask how you can be a friend. Ask how you can be intentional this summer and continue to grow these relationships. And then here in a couple minutes, I'll come back um, and close this out. Hey, as always, we pray that you guys were encouraged as you have listened to this past message from our very own Pastor Erica Eats on being a friend. As we prepare to go on summer break, I believe God wants to remind us of being intentional about the friendships that we've made this past year. And with that being said, have a great remaining semester or quarter, and let's be intentional with our friendships this summer starting now. God bless you all. We'll see you back here soon.